Packages, I'm Sal. I'm Ethan. And I'm Ben. Today I thought we'd talk about Marvels. This is the, like, Marvel Kingdom Come. I've described it that way, but actually it's more like Kingdom Come is DC's Marvels, because Marvels came out two years before Kingdom Come. Oh. Yeah. 1994. Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross made this really cool, like, love letter to classic Marvel. Oh. And it's interesting that we're going to draw a lot of parallels between Marvels and Kingdom Come, probably... Uh, you know, but because I, I like, there's a lot of like neat ideas here. Because Kingdom Come is like an alternate future story, yeah. right? It's like an Elseworlds, uh, you know, apocalyptic future. In fact, emphasis on the apocalyptic, mm-hmm. um, showing us the you know, the negative the negative impact of image <laughs> on the comic book industry. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no. Mark Wade was like, these ridiculous characters are so stupid, and they're hurting everything. The Savage Dragon and Young Blood and Wildcats and Death Blow and Blood Wolf and all of those blood related characters, all those hemoglobin types. And uh, yeah, so anyway, it's a, re- it's a reaction to the industry that Mark Wade was like apocalyptically, you know, prognosticating that it was going to come to an end. Mm-hmm. So, where's Superman? Uh, this is more like a celebration of what was happening. It's 1994, so, like, the Clone Saga's going on pretty soon, and, like... Oh, pretty soon. Yeah, like, Marvel is not doing great. Okay. Kurt was actually a long-standing Marvel fan. Like, he was a huge fan who, like, knew some of the creators and, in fact, like, lived in one of their houses for a while. He's the guy who's credited for coming up with the idea of bringing Jean Grey back to life. Oh. After the Phoenix. He's the guy who was like, maybe Phoenix created, like, a Jean Grey clone and, like, walked around in her oh. body. Like, yeah, yeah, no. But, like, in the 70s, <laughs> that, that was a good really good idea. <laughs> now it's like, that seems really weird. And he's like, no, because here's how... Because I read every issue, and so, obviously, te- and you could explain that between the panels here and here. Like, right. that was... he. I, the only guy that I have a, a counterpart for today is Dan Slott for Spider-Man. Like, Dan Slott is like, okay, but no, you could do this and that, and that because I've been dreaming up these ideas for the last 30 years. I am so into the continuity. Yeah, I, I know it. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Busick loves Marvel and mm-hmm. has loved it forever. And so this is kind of like a retelling of Marvel's history through the lens of a character he creates named Phil Sheldon. Uh, here's another parallel <laughs> with uh, Kingdom Come is that we see this fantastic world full of godlike creatures, which are referred to in this book as Marvel's, through the eyes of an old man mm-hmm. who is like plucked from you know the, is, the masses is he a reverend oh. as in no he's not phil oh. sheldon is oh. just so a regular identical. american photographer okay oh okay yeah uh, i thought he was a scientist at first no no no. Uh, there are everybody's a scientist marvel so you're not far off but phil is just a photographer and the idea here is that like phil was there in 1939 and by the way uh, the way that marvels is written it's written in the way that the books were all published. So, like, the book ends in 1974 with the death of Gwen Stacy. So, I... Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, like, we know Gwen Stacy dies in 1974. (laughs) But anyway, like, the idea being that um, he only tells this one window of time. and And that's how everyone talks? Everyone is... Yeah, well, it also, like, parallels the time period and such. Uh, so in the beginning, it's, you know, 1939, so World War II is still in full swing. Uh, the Phil is going to... Uh, he, he really, really wants to go to Europe to photograph the war, because that's important and what's going on. Yeah. But the only, like, jobs he can get are, like, photographing weirdo scientists unveiling, like, bullshit at the World's Fair. So... Like a giant gamma bomb. Right. 
<laughs> well, it, you're not far off in that the respect. Bruce because Banner. He, uh, well, he wouldn't even show up until the 60s, but in 1939, uh, Phineas Horton, a scientist, uh, invents what he thinks is going to be, it's basically like his prelude to vision. Not like intentionally or anything, but like the idea of creating a perfect man mm-hmm. out of machinery. And uh, the only problem is that whenever he comes in contact, the the, the, the perfect man that Horton creates, mm-hmm. comes in contact with oxygen, his skin bursts into flames. But it doesn't burn him, it's more like he is just a human torch. <laughs> okay. okay. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and so that's where the beginning of the age of Marvels happens. Was he the original Human Torch? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Phineas Horton I knew there invents was a different person. Yeah, the idea here is well, that Phineas Horton creates this like android which he dubs the Human Torch. He unveils it by by the way to the public and they're like, "Oh my god, take that thing away and put it as far <laughs> from us horrible. as possible. Why would you invent this?" Yeah, what what is what good is that? What? Yeah, what Well, what? I mean, it could power a steam locomotive. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, well, by the way, the no engine. one is, uh, you know, the lemonade, you know, craftsman that Ben is here. Uh, <laughs> no one's like, oh, well, you we can take this man who's, I guess, made of infinite energy. Fire. <laughs> and use it. He's also a robot, so he has no soul. Uh, but he does have a consciousness, so, in essence, you know, he, he earns a soul. But whatever, the point being... Oh, uh, so he's not the human torch. Well, he's, well no, yeah, that's the thing. He's he the robot like torch. A, yeah, he's a robo-torch, yeah. Um... The bionic flame. Yeah, but he looks room. but he looks like a man. So they call him the human torch. Anyway, Horton buries him in concrete. <laughs> oh. Yeah. What couldn't that's how much they don't like him? That's how much just put him in water? That's how much no. Because he'll still Yeah, because it's still oxygen in the water. And any oxygen that comes in contact with his skin will burn. Uh, yeah. Alright. Yeah, it's well, a mess. I mean you could put him in a vacuum. He does put him in a vacuum. When he unveils him, he takes him out of the vacuum and that's when he catches on fire. So put him back in the vacuum. It's so really hard. That's really hard to you, maintain. You put him back in the vacuum. Yeah, get me a vacuum, but not like a cleaner, like a like a huge man-sized thing. Oh, God, he had one. Yes, he did. All right, fair enough. He could have yeah, just put him in. Like, get him in it, and he's on fire all the time. Well, you just ask him to go in it. Be like, just, look, I'm no, sorry, so he's still falling orders. He's not I cleaning. still want to keep you alive and talk to you. So, like, go in this vacuum. <laughs> Although I'll never be able to heal you because sound doesn't travel in a vacuum. No. Well, if he has artificial intelligence, I don't know. That might, he might be like, "What? what why, why do you want me to go in well, the vacuum? Well, that's the thing. And like, I'll bury you in concrete. Well, what he does is he buries him in concrete, but like he can still hear through the concrete, but he only hears like, oh. muffled sounds. So he's like... And it's you, muffled cries. Yeah, well, he hears like... Buried alive. Yeah. It's horrifying. So he, he, But he hears the world going on outside. Okay. And it's like the myth of the... Of the guys in the cave who are trying to extrapolate what the world is like outside from shadows, like oh, he's Plato's trying to allegory. Yes, yeah, so he's yeah. trying to figure out like what the world is like outside from what he hears over the decades that he's underground. Oh, so we we get his perspective on the mm-hmm. whole of history of, of being under well of being underground for yeah. like for like twenty years. Right. So like in the forties, Namor shows up and actually Namor attacks uh, Earth or New York or whatever. And it's through that attack that actually, like, cracks the concrete and loosens the Human Torch onto the world. And the Human Torch oh. uh, battles Namor, and that's kind of like the first time that we see, like, a, a, a superhuman battle. You know, Phil is, uh, actually, it, uh, Phil winds up, like, trying to photograph Namor's attack. Mm-hmm. And uh, some debris hits him in the head and it blinds him in one eye. Oh. I know, it's rough. And, uh, well, luckily he can still focus through the camera. Yes. And it's more like he's a camera, you see, now, because he only has one lens. 
In the 40s, you know, Captain America's on the scene. He helps the Allies fight Hitler or whatever. Right. <laughs> or whatever or they were whatever writing. Whatever it is that he does. Whatever they were writing back in, like, 1943 and 4. Uh, around that time, you know, uh, Cap, of course, gets frozen in a block of ice. Bucky dies, etc., etc. And uh, we lose, you know, Cap. Um, when Captain America is... Re- oh, and, and during this time, you know... The idea here is that, like, the Marvels are out. And, like, the, the you know, the Everyone's Pandora's... coming out. Yeah, Pandora's box has been open. It wasn't... It's not until the 60s that the Marvels truly, like... Came into their own? Well, like, make it known that they're not going anywhere. In That's the 30s like... and 40s, it's like, Namor, Cap, Human Torch. That's kind of it. Then in the 60s, that's when, like, the explosion happens. And we got, like, the Avengers with, well, like, six or seven different... That's when they were invented by Stan Lee, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Who's... Uh, just... Sorry to interrupt. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> the this green guy? That's the radioactive man. <laughs> so when the Marvels come on the scene, when the Avengers appear, and actually shortly thereafter when... Uh, well, when the Marvels appear, the world isn't quite sure what to make of them. You know, they're like, ah, these guys with powers, is like a robot man, which they think is Iron Man. They're like, for a while, they're like, oh, is he a robot man? Like, Because right. we've seen robot man, and some of them catch on fucking fire, and it's terrifying. <laughs> this one just seems to, like, want to help us. Uh, Giant Man, the Wasp, uh, the Hulk, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, but it isn't until after Captain America is revived, which happens in the 60s, and joins the Avengers, that Phil is kind of like, okay, you know what? The Marvels are good. I just saw the old school X-Men. Yeah. Well, the X-Men come on the scene around the exact same time. Mm. And that is a huge allegory in this book for the Civil Rights Movement. Rah. Um, the, the Avengers come on, or the, the X-Men come on the scene, and... Immediately, everyone is like, "No, that's <laughs> uh-huh. too much, too fast. This is scary." Right. Like I, I, I hear the story, like the Fantastic Four. It's a group of scientists, and they, you know, they got bombarded by cosmic rays. Like, who could help that? Like, right. okay, they got power. These people are born with these powers, and they're in the darkness. You know, like, in, in fact, every time they hide amongst us, they don't make themselves known. Like, right. what, like we can't what trust funnies. them. Yeah. It's a great, it, it, like, and Busiek does a wonderful parallel between not only African Americans and American society in the 60s, but, but also, also communists. communists. So he does a really cool, perfect blend, and nobody really says, like, it's like the comic, like, no one <laughs> hits you over the head with it, <laughs> right. nor are there also those uh, those issues. Like, those issues exist, mm-hmm. but... They're not being brought up in the book. Yeah, we're not, we're not tackling civil rights in this book. I mean, like deliberately or or obviously we are through subtlety and through the characters that already exist through allegory through allegory precisely in fact during like this whole debate about the x-men um there's like a neighborhood mutant child that was going to be killed by a mob the mob is always an issue and it's ever it's an ever-present problem throughout marvels like the mob is going to do something about the Marvels. The mob? Well, I mean... Well, like, just mobs. Like, just the mob mobs mentality. Oh, like, people, oh like, not like the no, mafia. No! Oh, look at, look at <laughs> the awesome. Mockingbird! Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was just a town of people. Yeah. And, and, crazy. And they're in, and it's always set in the city. So it's like... Well, I think, I think Phil and his family wind up going to the suburbs. But even still. Um, I should point out Phil's, like, backstory a little bit. Phil Sheldon was, you know, obsessed with his work. Wants to photograph something meaningful. He wants to be important. Mm-hmm. And he winds up deciding... To like to to photograph and document the Marvels, so he's always there. So Phil's at every important mo- moment in like Marvel's history. Does he have a guy on the inside, or is he just like no? He's just really always there. He lives in the city, so he's just always there. And he, he's yeah, one of the few guys who just has a camera in like the forties, which is a like, really expensive item. So 
Who, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Who the hell is this guy? That's Quicksilver. Oh, that's Quicksilver. Yeah, oh, yeah. when he was first invented, he had a green suit. And he has, like, pointy hair. Yeah, he still kind of has pointy hair, just not in that movie. Okay. Not in both movies. So is this, I, I'm noticing that, like, there's a lot of, like, depictions of press coverage of the Fantastic Four. Yes. Is that, like, contrasted with people's, like, fear of the, the X-Men? X-Men? Yeah. So, like, we like the Fantastic Four and Captain America because yep. he's out there. Yep, and... they're bright, colorful, white, and, yeah. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Yeah, doing. I, I guess taking care of us. And they look like us. people, except for ben. except for you yeah. Know. They're mostly just people with some with powers. Yeah, mutants are like scared. We've got Phil, and he meets this this girl named Doris, and he and Doris are kind of like courting mm-hmm. during the forties. And Doris turns out to be a mutant. No, no, no. The Marvels never touch his life except in the in the case of blinding him in one eye. Okay, uh, which is kind of like. Well, that's not really them. Yeah, no. It's well. It's kind of well because Namor attacks. You know, the like the a building crumbles and a piece of it falls on his head. Which so like it's Phil's direct con- like contact with the Marvels. It's like a warning. Uh, so, but despite this, he winds up actually trusting and believing in the Marvels. Uh, it's only after Captain America was revived that Phil decides that it's okay to raise children in this world. Because before that, he's like these Marvels are terrifying. Oh. Like, this is a scary world full of monsters, and so I can't, in good conscience... Get married and have kids. Yeah, I can get married, but we can't have children. So then are the Marvels also, like, nuclear weapons, in that sense? Well, because they're also created during the Atomic Age, so that's another thing. So, like, the threat of Marvel's looms over... Over everything. And some of them have powers that could rival an Atomic Age. Right. Well, yeah. And uh, so, yes, uh, eventually Phil and uh, and, and, uh, Doris have kids, and it's during the 60s that... Uh, one of the kids befriends a mutant and lets her live in their basement. Oh. Or rather lets her hide in the basement. She was originally like the this poor girl, she looks kind of like like a like a like a like one of those classic X Files aliens. Yeah. But she's like a little girl. And uh, you know I think the idea was she was going through their trash and they thought she was like a raccoon. <laughs> Not they saw her, but they they assumed a raccoon was going through the she trash. She's creepy looking. She's really creepy looking, but like sweet, and you feel really bad. Mm-hmm. It's because she's drawn very sympathetic. Yes. Yeah. Well, she has huge eyes, so it's like yeah. the Disney effect. Uh, there's another very thing sad. and soulful. True. And a little nose and pigtails. Sheldon winds up like drawing an allegory between like her sunken in eyes and the eyes of like the Jews in Auschwitz oh. and the photo- and the photographs from that. Okay. And so he's like, I get it. Like <laughs> immediately. Everything, all the allegories fit into place for him. He's like, okay, no. We're the Nazis. Yeah. Well, kind of. And he's like, okay, no. There's a cool narrative device that they do visually with this book, which is they punctuate every significant event in Marvel's history that really happens Mm -hmm. with a full page Alex Ross slash. So, like, when the Avengers come on the scene, boom, we got them all. When, like, the Human Torch is unveiled, boom, we got them all. Like, uh, when the X-Men are revealed to the world... And mankind's response is to unveil sentinels. Mm-hmm. We have this huge image of these sentinels, like, patrolling Manhattan. Yeah. There's also this, like, ever-present thread, if you will, of Spider-Man and him kind of being on the edge. Mm. Of the, out, the, the public's opinion of him is negative. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of J. Jonah Jameson. Right. And in fact, when he first is introduced, when Phil is first introduced in the beginning of the book... Like, he and Jameson are peers. Ah, oh. Jameson is this blowhard douchebag. Does he give him photos for the newspaper? Yeah, Phil does wind up selling, like, pictures to the Bugle, and he's his competition is Peter Parker. Oh, so Peter Parker puts Phil out of the job. More, um, 
Parker's photos suck. <laughs> because Parker's photos are a camera, a digital SLR, or an SLR on auto capture webbed to a corner on a building. <laughs> and he hopes to swing in front of it while also fighting Electro. Hey, hey, I've seen those pictures. They're damn good. Yeah, well, it's funny, actually. Uh, Spider-Man winds up publishing a book called Webs, which are his best photos. Phil is collecting his powerful images for his book called Marvels. Okay. Which is like a, you know, a timeline of when of the advent of Marvels to the, you know, to when he decides to stop fucking taking pictures. Oh, so this is Phil's book. Yeah. Well, the the, the yes, cool one picture images are. So yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of like public hysteria about Spider-Man and whether he's good or not, and um, and, and Phil believes in him because he believes in the Marvels. Okay. You know, he's like, oh, these people are here to take care of us, um, and in fact, he outwardly like chastises and fights against people who are anti-Marvels. So we're like, oh, these guys, you know, they're just they're just glory hogs or blah blah blah, and he he's like. They're saving the world, you know. Mm-hmm. What, like, what, are, what are you gonna, what do you want from them? Right. So then Galactus attacks, <laughs> or rather, it's the first time the Galactus has come to Earth, right. and the Silver Surfer comes, and Ross it makes it a little grander than I think it was in the comic. The comic right. was awesome, but like in this, like the skies catch on fire, and like you know, the Silver Surfer brings in like asteroids, and he like circles them, and he's like, "Your world is doomed. Make peace with your makers." Galactus has come. <laughs> And then Phil is like, I've got to, sh- I guess I should take pictures of this? <laughs> but then he's like, oh, so he's like, i got to take pictures of this. The Marvels will save us. Mm-hmm. So the Fantastic Four, like, attack. And they go into Galactus' ship. And in the, tr- in the coming of Galactus, the idea here is that they fight, try to fight him, but you can't fight Galactus. Right. So they lose. Right. And so it's like, no! Well, so everyone is like, the Marvels failed us. The world's going to end. Oh, shit, look. Yeah, the Watcher's there. The Watcher shows up. So Galactus is eating the planet, and everyone's like, I guess that's it. Right. You know? And, but, uh... Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And as and we know... Phil saves the day. No, Phil doesn't do shit. He, uh, he... He winds up, like, trying to take pictures and then realizing how futile it is, so he runs home to be with his family. Oh. And when he gets home, they're like, Did you hear? The Fantastic Four saved us! Because Reed Richards stole the ultimate nullifier from Galactus's ship and threatened the utter annihilation of the universe. <laughs> did they did the people know about that part? No, they don't know that part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, they didn't hear that part. They just they just got him to go away they somehow. Got, he went away. And so they're like, "Yay, I guess they saved us." And Phil is like doubles down on his like approval of and, you know, uh condoning. Mm-hmm. That would be absolutely wonderful. Oh man, they got him to leave. How? Well, they threatened to end all of existence. Well, we know they wouldn't oh, have. That's bad. We know that they wouldn't they have because we're all people. We know. But the reality is we would destroy the universe to fucking screw somebody over. Because we're human beings. Well, we know that Reed Richards would. Yeah. Burn it down. He would not. Well, yeah, actually. He, he would. would. Well, he'd yeah. destroy every other he, universe. Scorched Earth! Scorched Earth, motherfucker! Almost immediately after Galactus leaves... You know, the the public is against the Marvels again. You know, we're also wishy-washy. And, like, the, the headline publisher calls Galactus a hoax. The idea being that, like... So, let me get this straight. A world-devouring alien shows up. You guys go into his ship. And then a couple hours later, he goes away. 
Or maybe you just used your fantastic powers right, to make, to it, look like make it look happened. like that shit happened. How about that? And, like, that's kind of a legitimate argument. Especially if you don't know the ultimate nullifier story. Right, well, Especially if yeah. you don't know exactly what their powers are. Yeah. It could have been somebody else. Well, they know, pa- they know their powers because, basically, by this point, the silver, the, 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 fourth, the Fantastic Four are the Beatles. The point being that, like, over the years, the Marvels save us countless times. Right. And, and every time... They don't get credit. They don't get credit, or they get or some, some credit. Some people do, but some people. And then immediately, it's it's yeah. there's division. And uh, so then there's this whole story about how uh, Spider-Man killed this police captain, George Stacy. Oh. And the idea right. here is that back in Spider-Man, uh, Doctor Octopus and Spider-Man were fighting. Uh, they were on a roof. Doctor Octopus like threw one of his tentacles at Spider-Man. It hit a chimney. It knocked some bricks down mm. off of the building. It was going to fall on a little kid. George Stacy pushes the little kid out of the way but gets crushed by the by the bricks. Right. Spider-Man picks up Stacy, brings him to the top of the roof for no reason to talk to him, I guess, or to like try to figure out where to go from there. I guess the idea being, if I were to get into his head, the idea being, like, I'll take him to the top of the roof and I'll swing him to the nearest hospital. No, yeah, that's maybe what he did. But the point being, he, he suspiciously takes his body and runs away. Okay. <laughs> but it's... But... Narratively, it's so that Stacy can tell Spider-Man that he knows he's Peter Parker. He's like, I've always known, and I've kept you safe. Okay. And Spider-Man's like, ah, shit. <laughs> so then, of course, immediately after that, Spider-Man's reputation is tarnished, and he's even more of a wanted outlaw. Right. And Sheldon is like, I've seen firsthand the Marvels are good. Spider-Man is one of them. I'm going to prove that he is. So he winds up getting, like, the George Stacy file, and through it he winds up re-interviewing everyone who was involved, which includes Gwen Stacy. Mm -hmm. And so he and Gwen wind up talking, and Gwen basically is one of those individuals that Ben's looking for, because she's like, I believe in the Marvels too. Okay. Like, they're good. They're they're doing good for us. By the way, she's not a natural blonde. Mm -hmm. What the hell is this? It's Atlantis attacking. Oh, Atlantis. Yeah, sometimes. Again? Yeah, sometimes Atlantis attacks. And, <laughs> you know, Gwen is like, wow, you know? Like, we're living in this crazy world. Isn't it amazing? And she's she has this, like, wide-eyed optimism that Sheldon needs, you know, to get to galvanize his support for, mm-hmm. the, for the Marvels. And then Gwen Stacy is captured by the Green Goblin. Oh, thank God. I, I was hoping it wasn't going to be like, and then she sees something in him and they bang, because that's apparently... Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then she fathers his children, who in no, turn become Spider-Man Goblin. Goblin. No. She is captured by the Green Goblin and taken to the Brooklyn Bridge, and Spider-Man and he fight. And when they're fighting, Sheldon, like, runs over there to capture this moment, because he's like, it's another Atlantis attacks, or it's another Galactus, it's another whatever. Right. And Spider-Man fails and she dies. Right. And it's in Spider-Man's failure that Sheldon loses all his respect and hope for the Marvels because they failed this girl who believed in them so vehemently. It's a powerful message. I never... I don't understand that. Like, <laughs> she was gonna... If Spider-Man hadn't been there, she would still be dead. Yes. Well, except... Well, like, and, so and Spider-Man wasn't we... perfect and therefore the Marvels are bullshit. Yes. That's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> it's a ridiculous... That's my mentality. issue with him. But Sheldon is such a zealot about this. He has been yeah. so gung-ho about it. Yeah, he is black and, and white. And he finally found someone else, and then she's dead. Yeah, he but... also put all of his hopes into this one guy. Right. And he could not possibly live up to them. Yeah, nobody could. Yeah. Nobody oh, he should have like... put his hopes in Captain America. Nobody who's yeah. not literally God... Could... Is infallible! Is infallible. No, no, no. This book is... Yeah. Screw Spider-Man... Captain America yeah. is the one we should... Yeah. Captain America is barely even a footnote in the book. <laughs> the other thing about it is... Uh, Busiek is a huge Spider-Man fan. 
and also like knows his continuity so when he does all this you know he's like it's 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 ironic like when sheldon goes no spider-man's good it's ironic that he puts all his hope into this guy mm-hmm. because spider-man to Busiek, to me to a few other people is the most human among the marvels mm-hmm. it's almost like he doesn't even belong there right and so it's when it's that it's that it's that point when uh got that guy <laughs> sheldon <laughs> phil sheldon decides to stop okay 1974 it's the end of for it's he declares because he's been taking their photos for the last right. three decades that it's the end of the age of marvels it's a fantastic connection if you try and take that one step further and be like all right well if he was the most human of us really the problem with it is that he is human we are yes what's we're wrong fallible with the world. yeah exactly uh, I lose hope in humanity, not in the Marvels. Yeah, yeah. He, what he doesn't even understand is that he, like, yeah. the problem is that they're it's all deep. people. Uh, what, uh, what is the... So him losing faith in the Marvels, like, what is that saying right. about... It, it's, is that about I comic think, readers? I'm sorry, you I think the book. Is that it? Um, well, no. The, okay, um, don't lose that three. point because yes. it's really awesome. Uh at the end, he retires, he sells, he, he publishes his book, it sells like gangbusters, and he resents it. Yeah. And finally, he's like, I'm not even going to take pictures anymore. I want one last photo, and it's of me and my family. Mm-hmm. And there's a little boy, like, riding a bicycle, like, nearby, and he's like, and this regular, normal, neighborhood boy. Uh-huh. And so, like, they take a photo of, like, him and his family and this regular little boy named Danny Ketch, who will eventually become the 90s Ghost Rider. <laughs> what? That's who's in the very end of the book. The last Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. <laughs> but not even the original Ghost Rider. The '90s Ghost Rider. <laughs> that's a weird way to end it. Yeah, that's a weird way to end and it. It's a Ghost Rider. It's a really yeah, weird. Well, it's, it's his way of saying like Phil Sheldon's a fucking idiot. <laughs> because he yeah. put. He's like, no. Well, I'll, I'll, I only believe in regular everyday people like this boy here. This boy here who will eventually sell his soul to the devil and his head will explode into, bla- into fiery skull and he'll ride a silly motorcycle. God fire. damn it, I was wrong again! Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, Phil, that's the whole fucking point. They're, like, you're in an age of marvels now. There's right. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Right. It, it, like, Spider-Man was the beginning. Like, they're all we're all marvels. Yeah. This book is a goddamn downer. Oh, yeah, no, it's a huge downer. So what was... I'm sorry. So I, I, I wanted to bring that up because... You made a good point, and I thought that it also helped echo it a little bit. Yeah, so the, the question being, like, what is... What's the point? What is... Yeah, what is the point? What is Phil's, like, arc supposed to represent? I think Phil's arc is, is in many ways, it's comic readers. It's, like, ushering in the modern age of comics. Mm-hmm. Like, Busiek, I think, is saying that the modern age of comics begins with the death of Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. When superhero comics, at least in Marvel, stop being about big cool guys in flashy costumes saving the day mm-hmm. and starts being about people okay like it, it it's you're you're it's okay for the hero to fail because they're because they're us right right they become a little bit less like ideal mm-hmm. a, little a little less like, like godlike and yeah. iconic which is a, a hilarious inverse to kingdom come where they are gods well where yeah. we all we want is for the gods to come back and yes. save us and then indeed they do right <laughs> And in the end, the gods say, maybe we were a little too high up on you. But we're still gonna be here and do that. Like, there's no, you know, like, 
this is closer to humanity right. than Kingdom Come. I'm not saying it's better than mm. Kingdom Come. I think Kingdom Come's a better book. I was gonna say that Kingdom Come is heads and shoulders of like ahead, narratively speaking, mm-hmm. graphically speaking. Ross's art, plot wise, in, yeah. in 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 only two years, Ross's art gets a yeah, million you can times tell, better. Like this is the same guy, but it's not. As it's good. not quite there. Yeah. And they would do sequels to Marvels, which I think is also a joke. Like, oh yeah, sequels. yeah, that's weird. Which Ross would not come back to do. Yeah, okay. Busiek would write, but and I feel like Busiek wanted to. I think it doesn't hurt Marvels to have sequels, but I think that's the whole point of the ending of Marvels is that mm-hmm. like it doesn't end. If you did a sequel to Kingdom Come, which they did, uh, you would damage the original source material <laughs> uh, because it's, it works so perfectly on its own. They did a se- sequel to Kingdom Come. Multiple sequels to Kingdom Come, mm-hmm. and then eventually they like pulled them in to like the. Really... Yeah, no, don't even. Yeah, all right, don't all pursue right. it. Don't yeah, look for it. No. But going off of that, and, yeah. and coming back to the story, basically we're saying like. Marvels are fantastic, except for the fact that they can fail, and then we lose all hope in them, and it's just like, screw them. That's well, the art. at least yeah. some people do. At least this one-eyed guy who, you but know. There, okay, so at that time... But he's he's our protagonist for the whole yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't necessarily have to be a sympathetic character or someone that we... No, do we have to agree with him? Yeah. He, he could be, represent, like, people in comics that Busiek thinks are, like... Like fickle and you know. yeah, or like I don't know. Was there like a lot of complaints at this time about he... like how hero like comic oh, yeah. characters aren't heroes anymore? I think or... I, I would not be surprised. There were a lot of get off my lawners who were right. like shaking their fists and railing against Spider Man, right? Like, the, like the, he should have saved Gwen Stacy. People, oh yeah. Oh, that was a really yeah. really controversial. I mean, we read the Clone Saga, which is a direct like reaction to the public outcry of the death of Gwen Stacy. Mm. It right. was it was yeah. an attempted retcon of that story. Yeah. Even in the even in the mid seventies, yeah. yeah, it was so a, this an attempted is... retcon, but it still didn't bring her back. No, but like, they brought her back in the only way they could imagine Marvel being able to do it. Right. Because back then they had a mandate that said "dead" means "dead" in Marvel, mm-hmm. but we still have to bring back Gwen Stacy. So how do we do that using science? Right. And they do that using magical cloning technology. Yeah. Well, Gwen Stacy is dead. Yeah, but thing that looks a lot like her and has all of her memories and experiences. Yeah. Is that what you want? And also acts exactly like <laughs> yeah. her. Yeah. There you go. It'd yeah. be like <laughs> it's like happy and archaic. <laughs> it's like it's like saying you have a teleportation machine, but it eradicates the previous guy. No, but there's one of you over there. You yeah. see, you get into the machine, and then it recreates you with all your memories and experiences and body over there, and then this guy is eradicated. Well, but but what if I'm that guy? <laughs> well, that dead. sucks for you. That's like but the no, prestige. yeah, like... but you're not dead. No, yeah. no, you're not dead. You're over there. Yeah, you yeah but no, but memories. my consciousness is dead. Yeah. No, your no, consciousness no, is not. You, that one won't know any different. No, you've created a second consciousness. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm that dead. One, that one thinks it's you. <laughs> I, don't, fact, I don't want that. In fact, if we didn't even tell anybody that this is how it works, yeah. no one will be outraged. It seems like it, it. seems like you're supposed to like identify with him the whole way through, and then you get to the end, and he's like fuck these marbles mm-hmm. and and you're like well no that's not right <laughs> and that's like maybe supposed to bring you into the mindset of exactly mm-hmm. like those people who are like fuck comics are wrong yes and this is why also i don't i i don't like alex ross's depiction of marvel you mean just in general the style in general the style like mm. i just don't like it as much which is funny because ross is drawing and painting all of the secret wars covers oh yeah and you don't like them I'm not a fan. Hmm. I just didn't, like... I will say, Doom looks freaking weird there. 
Well, yeah, because it's like a it's like a metal suit. Yeah, you know, like it's easy to draw Superman. Does Doom show up in this book at all? I saw his no. picture on a newspaper. Yeah, no. Doom, like Doctor Doom. Like... Yeah, Doctor Doom never really does anything that impor- important enough to warrant its, his appearance That's in Marvel. I would have thought you'd see. We saw Galactus. We saw we saw uh, Silver Surfer. Silver we saw Silver we saw Silver Namor. Goblin, we saw Namor. I would have thought Doom would have been in there. Yeah, we even see a little bit of Green Goblin. Yeah. I also noticed Hulk was referenced a couple times, but you never really see it. No, and in fact, like, Hulk is a rampaging, mindless monster and Mm -hmm. should be, like, you know, a great, you know, touchstone for this book. Like, there should be something in there about... Well, one day they're, you know, they're, 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 they're fighting him in the streets. The other time, the other day he's on their team. Like, what the crap is that? (laughs) You can't even tell what he's gonna do. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes they'll be fighting and then, like, a villain they're fighting who could, like, use mind powers will turn him against them. Like, what kind of judgment is that? And it's like, good point. (laughs) They're, they're fallible. Uh, so yeah, I, I love this book. I think it's really awesome. Um, and I don't. And I think the the way to get away with it is just like don't compare it to Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. I think this is the it's first the book same. you've liked that I just dislike it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like screw this book. Fair enough. Well, I li- I like this anyway. I would check it out. Yeah, I mean, like you know, obviously I'll put a link in the description box down below where you can purchase it. Uh, you know, I'll pick out a good one because I like yeah. there's many different versions of them. Oh. Uh, yeah, with like sketches and stuff. Nah. Um, and I love this quote: "Marvels is a giant leap forward in the evolution of illustrated literature." Like no shit, you know you wrote all of this book. Like <laughs> you allowed it to come into. You me, created right? every moment in this book, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's cool. Uh, you know what else is not referenced here that I saw? What's that? Secret Wars. Yeah, no. Well, you know why it's not referenced? Because it's a secret. Also, because it takes t- takes years, like ten years later. Oh, after after this book. Yeah, okay. no. If they had, That's oh right. no, it ends That's in right. seventy five. If it if it kept going, right, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, like, the, the Central Park fight against Onslaught with, like, the Fantastic Four with their new costumes that were only invented for that one event? You know, no! Or, the Avengers also fight Onslaught and, like, the Wasp was turned into an actual Wasp woman for that one event? Ooh. Yeah, like, it, that'd be amazing. And Ross would be like, I don't even know what to do here. Like, <laughs> what? I, I don't even know what this is supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There are too many people. In this book, what well, do you mean? There's a lot of people. Yeah. Well, it's all about people. It's about yeah. It's exactly. about humanity. It's, it's mostly about Sheldon's interaction. Yeah, yeah. We, interaction with other people while he observes. Yes. Yeah. 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 We have a passive protagonist. Yeah. That's why. That's why. It's about. It's not about like superheroes. It's about like our reactions to superheroes. Which is which I think is like a big po- uh, you know point of difference between DC and Marvel. That's mm. a shitty comic book. <laughs> Reading I, a comic book of our reactions to heroes sucks. Well, it's very. I want to see it's the very, heroes. Very, it's very much and like. React it's myself. very much like for people who are steeped in the continuity of comic. Books. And that's who Busiek is. Also, yeah. like. You could buy all the books that are referenced in this and read them from the perspective of the Marvels right. and enjoy them. Right. Because the way, you, you say, like, you already have all that. You already have them. Those books already exist. Yeah. They're written. I'm doing something different. Yeah, this is, it's literally the same thing, but from another perspective. Music right. is like, Music also makes no attempt to retell them. For him, they're already perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to see the Fantastic Four fight Galactus and outwit him, like, that's there. Lee wrote it. Just go buy it. You know, but if you want to see some jaded old man's opinion of what that <laughs> means to people, you know, then buy my book. You know what this reminds me of, which I haven't read either, What's but that? the way you described it reminds me, um, the Civil War, uh, like... Frontline? Frontline. Yes. 
Civil War Frontline, yeah. It's like it's like Civil War and then like this is Frontline is like the whole like subtext of the whole thing. But also I just meant from the perspective of it's told from like a Oh it's told from level. it's told from a uh, reporter's perspective. Yes. Yeah. I think it's Ben Urich, who's the you know, the writer. Oh. Uh, I always thought when I when I had seen Marvels as a child in nineteen ninety four, I always assumed it was about Ben Urich. That Ben Urich was the protagonist and he was like because he's a reporter who writes <laughs> Who's like qualified to, to remark on these, <laughs> these uh, significant events. events? Marvels. It's a divisive book. A really, mm. really cool. You know, literally twenty years. It's clearly divisive. Ben, yeah, hates it. it. We have a civil war like on it. the couch it's... right now. Uh, but <laughs> it's it's an awesome book. Uh, I'd say you know awesome in as much as you know it's either really good or very interesting to look at. And so as such, uh, you know, I think it works. You should definitely check, at least check it out, if nothing else, just to formulate your own opinion. Mm. Uh, let us know in the comment section down below, do you like Marvels? Which which side of the camp? <laughs> Whose side are you on? It's like a, it's like a resurgence of our Civil War episode. Ooh. Whose side are you on? Uh, and why? Please keep it civil, of course, in the comment section down below. We'll see you guys next time on another episode of Back Issues. I'm Sal. I'm Ethan. And I'm Ben. Goodbye. Yeah. I fucked it up right at the end. You know what? I'm going to leave it to <laughs> And so it might be Kurt Busiek, or Busiek, I have no idea how to pronounce this poor man's name. He's so awesome, and I Bus- can't do it. Busiek sounds right. I think it's Busiek, but I've never heard that name in my life. So, what? Maybe it's Busiek. It could be that, actually. Or Sheik. Yeah, it could be Busiek. Anyway, I'm sorry, Kurt.